Well, if we haven't met yet, my name is Thomas, and I'm one of the pastors here at Elevate City Church, and I couldn't be more excited for tonight, um, because tonight we're talking about something that changed my life forever. Uh, we've been in this series called X Multiply. Let me hear you say X Multiply. X Multiply. Where we've been talking and dreaming about the ways that God is calling our church in into the Great Commission for the next 10 years, and what would it look like for us as a church to come together and devote everything we have to seeing the Great Commission fulfilled over the next 10 years. Um, 2033 will be the 2,000-year anniversary of Jesus saying the Great Commission to his disciples, where he said, go into all the world and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And what a gift that we get to be a part of that. Like, what a gift that God invites us into that to make disciples. And we're believing that uh, over the course of the next 10 years, God is going to do immeasurably more in our church. Um, in week one, we talked about, we talked about uh, prayer and how we want to see this become a house of prayer. And I just want to give a quick advertisement. If you don't know, we do Monday morning prayer. Men gather here at 6 a.m. Yeah, come on. And we pray every Monday morning at 6 a.m. And so if you haven't been a part of that, come be a part of that. And Wednesday morning, don't worry, I didn't forget, women gather on Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. That was a little louder than the guys. We got work to do, 6 a.m., I'll see you there. Um, but we, we're, we're just believing that God is going to create this to be a house of prayer. Uh, in week two, we talked about discipleship and how we want to see 10,000 disciple makers trained up within our church. And we want to see people take the Great Commission seriously. Uh, week three, we talked about uh, gospel conversations, and Joey stood up here and he threw that seed everywhere. And some of you guys won't forget that day. Some of you are trying to still, like, recover from that day. Uh, but just so encouraged by the way that our church has taken that seriously. And our church has, like boldly proclaim the gospel in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces already. Uh, and then we talked about baptism. And, I mean, this, this, this rug is getting soaked every week. Carpet is getting soaked every week. And I love that. Like, what a gift that we get to, like, see the baptism. See baptism happen every single week. We talked about uh, caring for the least of these and how we want to give a million dollars away. Uh, to, the, to people who are broken and are vulnerable and are in need of help. And then we talked about mission, how we want to reach five unreached people groups, start five international churches, and then we want to send 100 mission trips around the world. And then Joe just brought the word last week. He talked about the now gen and how we need to deeply care for our youth. And I've already looked at my nine-month-old like ten times this week and said, you're going to camp. And he just looks at me and he's like, I don't know what you're saying. And I'm just like, you're going to camp. And you better believe it, and you have no choice. But uh, um, I'm just so excited for all that God is doing in our church. And in the next 10 years, what we believe is that there's going to be more churches. There are going to be more people who believe what we believe. There are going to be more people who got baptized in, this, in, this, in, in our church and all over the city of Atlanta, all over the world, and that we're going to reach into places where the gospel has yet to go. But you know what we will need more of when we get there? We will need more leaders. We will need more leaders. We will need more leaders to lead these churches and to go places where the gospel has yet to go. We will need more leaders to stand on stages and be trained up to proclaim the gospel. We will need more leaders to disciple others. And so we will need more leaders. And we have a commitment to do this. And we have a commitment to do this through something called our leadership development program. Uh, in our leadership development program, we have people that we call protégés. Let me hear you say protégés. I just want to define for you what our program is. Uh, you can put the definition on the screen. Our leadership development program is a 12-month residency adventure that is designed to equip future ministry leaders for Jesus-centered, discipleship-driven, and transformation-focused full-time ministry in the local church. A lot of you guys are like, we have that? Yes, we have that. How epic is that, that we've got this training program that is designed to train up and to send out more leaders into the local church. And our heart for this, Joe said this on the screen, uh, on, the, on the video that you just saw, but I just want to read it again. I want you to hear our heart for this. It says, there's a leadership crisis in the church at large. Pastors and leaders have left ministry at an alarming rate over the last decade. We believe much of that is due to a lack of effective leadership development. So we want to equip future leaders with the spiritual rhythms, theological training, leadership skills, and practical ministry experience to lead the church forward. The church will face hard times in the days ahead. Culture will get darker. Truth will be more opposed. And secularism will continue to rise. And we need strong, deeply, devo deeply developed leaders to lead us through the storm. We feel a great sense of responsibility to develop the leaders who will pastor and lead your children and your grandchildren's children. 
And this will happen primarily through our year-long residency program called our LDP. If you care at all about what kind of pastor you or your family will have, then you should care about this program. Come on, like, are you excited to like chase after that for the next 10 years? That's so exciting. And so if you're not convinced that this matters, if you're still here and you're like, I've seen the video, that was awesome, I just heard the paragraph again, I've heard from Thomas, then I'm just going to open up the Bible because sometimes the Bible is just really good at convicting people when humans can't. And I just want to read scripture, just go back to that teaching text, Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says this to the church, verse 12, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. So let me just help you feel the urgency of this. Our unique calling as pastors in your church, leaders in your church, is to equip you for ministry. Like God has put us in the position that we're in. He's called us to this full time so that we can equip you for the ministry that God has for you. And what happens when there's no one to equip you anymore? What happens when the well of leaders has run dry and there's nobody to stand on stages and preach anymore? There's no one to lead you in worship. There's no one to teach you how to disciple others. There's no one to encourage and ignite passion in your heart to bring the gospel to your workplace. There's no one to teach your kids about Jesus. There's no one to be a student pastor to students who are desperately seeking truth in a time where there is none. What happens when that happens? Well, this is our commitment that that's not going to happen on our watch. Like collectively as a church, we're making a commitment to say we will always see more leaders in the pipeline. We will always see more leaders who understand God's word and are preaching God's word in a time where people are questioning. Like this is our commitment to see this happen. This program is equipping people to use their gifts. Like we're believing that over the course of the next 10 years, this program is going to develop more people with the gift of an apostle who will go and start more churches and go places where the gospel is yet to go. We're believing that this program will develop and equip more prophets who will tune their hearts to the voice of God and help us understand where God is in the midst of this crazy time. We're believing that this program will develop more people with the gift of evangelism who will expand our vision for church growth and will take the gospel to places that it has yet to go. We're believing that this program will develop more people with the gift of shepherding who can walk with people through hard times and losses and grieve with those who are experiencing grief. We're believing that this program is going to develop and equip people for the gift of teaching who can teach truth and can disciple others and can preach the gospel. And so that is our hope for the program. And again, if you still don't feel the urgency of this, I just want you to know that this is deeply personal to me. Like this program, I went through this program back in 2017. You can put some pictures on the screen. I think that there are some, yep, there's me leading my first mission trip ever. I have a beard now. I don't know how, that wasn't a good look. Uh, but first ever mission trip that I ever led. And in the program, I got to experience what it's like to take people overseas and help them see the Great Commission that like we've been called to make disciples of all nations. And this next one, yeah, is me and Lauren at the first ever City Serve. First ever City Serve happened in the year that I was in the leadership development program. And it just like such a gift to be a part of a church that was equipping me and training me. And it is because of this program that I am who I am today. This program has developed me to be the husband I am today. This program has developed me to be the father I am today. And most certainly this program has developed me to be the pastor I am today. Like I've been able to walk with so many of you guys because of the way this program changed my life. And, you know, my story is one of many of success stories of people who went through this program and experienced the calling to ministry. So as you can tell, things are a little different up here. And so I want to invite five people up to the stage who went through this program and are now in full-time ministry. So we can just collectively give you a picture of how important this is, the urgency of this. Um, and just so you can hear just like what it's like to be in ministry, to be trained for ministry, and how much this program can mean to our church. So... Without further ado, make some noise for Sean, Morgan, John, Caden, Bailey. What's up, guys? So this is so cool because for so many of us, like, we're, like, best friends. And, uh, like, we work in a place where we get to do work with our best friends. And so this is just fun for us to be able to do this. Um, some of us are up at our Millen campus. Some of us are down here at Elevate City. Uh, but I would love for just... 
to go around and kick things off, uh, let's introduce ourselves, say what we do for work, what year we went through the program, and then I think a lot of people like don't know what ministry is like, so just give them the story of your first day in the program. Like, what did you do on your first day going through the leadership development program? Okay, so I'm John Gibbs. Um, I'm the video content director at Stone Creek, our other camp, our main campus, and um, I went to the program in 2019, and I can't remember like, my first day in ministry, but I can, I remember, I worked in the student ministry with Sean, he was the associate at the time, and I just remember every week at like Wednesday, I think, we handed out bagels in schools. Yes, and we had, bagel boys. Like, at the, first, the first day we went there, the first couple of weeks, it was rough because we had to cut the bagels up, we were putting cream cheese on them, and then by the end of it, we had a system down, we were a well-oiled machine, cutting those bagels up, getting cream cheese on them, but it was just the weirdest thing, like that's just ministry, you just do the most random, weird things. Reach team, bagels, let's try it. (laughs) Well, hey guys, I'm Bailey, and I am our Connections and Community Director here. I went through the program in 2020, um, but my program uniquely started December of 2019, That is very important for what my first day of the program was. I was tasked with um, me and the other girl that I was doing the program with, Thomas's sister, Tally. Uh, Our creative team had all of these Christmas trees that they wanted the stage to be decked out with. But the problem was they wanted the trees not to be flocked. But every single one of the trees was flocked. So we were tasked with deflocking every single Christmas tree. And I had like a cute black sweater on that day that was just covered in Christmas tree flock. <laughs> and, and then I'll add to it the, um, the first huddle that I ever experienced. So huddle in our leadership development program is like a two-hour uh, time that you get throughout the week that is just strictly for your development as a leader, as a follower of Jesus. So you never know what you're going to show up for, uh, whether it's like learning a lot about church history or theology or just the ins and outs of ministry. My first huddle was moving in Joe and Leslie Baker. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to hear how that was framed up. Like, hey. well, my name is Caden Dolmage. I am Bailey's husband. Shout out. And uh, I am on staff here at Elevate City. And my very first day um, in the project program, which is back in 2020, was so came on in the middle of COVID. So it was weird times. And no one really knew what they were doing. I definitely didn't know what I was doing because it was my first time ever in ministry. And so part of my day was like learning how to use a computer from Joe. And then the other part of my day was driving around Clarkson with Thomas and Sean, just handing out food or meeting people wherever we could. And so it was, a, it was an interesting time, but it was awesome. My name is Morgan Brooks. I'm on the engagement team at Stone Creek, which is basically I do everything except kids and students. Um, <laughs> and I served, I, did in, I was in the program last year. And I don't, my first day wasn't special, but in my first week, it was the first year that we did Elevate University, which was like, it's our in-house staff retreat, basically. And there was foot washing, which like, cool, that's in the Bible, (laughs) but it was also like, I had to have like this random man that I didn't really know wash my feet, it was so, so uncomfortable for me, Um, and then I, we also do, we did like a version of like the Dundies, and I won the award of like not knowing what you're getting yourself into, which like spoke to the rest of the year, really. (laughs) Yes. What's up, guys? My name is Sean Curry. I'm uh, the student pastor over at our Stone Creek campus. I went through the program back in 2016. Uh, Again, that was a while ago, so I don't remember my exact first day, but I remember really early on, Joey was the student pastor at the time, Um, so he was my boss because I I was in student ministry and uh, doing Joey things. He loved to do this thing called Giraffes and Zebras, which was uh, a video that we uh, filmed. I can't say on stage, I can say on stage, permission. To cut the cameras. It's like the Christian version of Jackass, is what it is, and and uh, and so we basically filmed it for student camps and um, did stupid stuff to make students laugh and maybe love Jesus later on. And um, and I remember very early on, I'm like, okay, cool, I'm all in. Let's do stupid stuff. I'm in. Like I love that. Uh, except until a fire truck pulled up, and I'm like, what's happening right now? And um, in the middle of this, Joey is like, all right, you all ready? 
for what? Well, the fire department's here, and they're going to put the hose on full blast, and we're going to run as fast as we can into it to try to get across a finish line. And uh, I just want to report, I did get across the finish line, um, and my body was purple for at least three weeks. And the other protege uh, at the time's pants came off right in front of our senior pastor's wife. So that was my first day. Welcome to ministry. Oh, man. I would love to see, like, the metrics of, like, what that video produced, like, how many first-time students. <laughs> like, <laughs> so many salvations, not even funny. Yeah. I remember I, I remember seeing Bailey on that first day and being like, she's counting the cost right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's, fly, like, unflocking Christmas trees. Like, what have I gotten myself into? Like, um, yeah, well, wow. I remember my first day. I uh, was working for Joey as well, and Joey had just transitioned out of the student ministry role, and he was like leading like kids missions, discipleship. He was like preaching at, like a ton of the Sundays of the year, and this man just had so much on his plate. And then my first day, I show up, and he's like, uh, "Go organize the student." like closet. And I was like, okay. And I cleaned a popcorn machine all day. And I was like, what is happening right now? <laughs> um, but uh, all right, well, let's just like, let's get serious. And let's ask like the serious question. What is your favorite thing about Joey McLaughlin? Yeah, my favorite thing I think is that if we're on the same spike ball team, like we're not losing. Is that correct? Yeah, we're not losing <laughs> in spike ball. I guess no one knows what spike ball is, but we're not gonna lose in spike ball. But I think my other favorite thing is that Joey is just all into whatever he's doing. I think you just heard about dress and zebras. That's just one example of how he's just all in. But Joey was my student pastor, and man, he just gives his heart out all the time. He's also my small group leader, and every small group, he would just give his heart out all the time for us. He was always inviting us over to his house. We had all of our prom after parties at his house, and he's just so committed and all in. That's just something you want in your pastor leading your church. He's just someone who's just all in, very committed. It's awesome. Yeah, I'll go all seriousness. Um, I love that in our pastor, the same person you get on the platform is the person you get in a private one-on-one conversation. And I just wish that everybody could see the look on Joey's face when he gets to sit across from somebody one-on-one and teach them about the truths of of scripture. Um, God has just gifted our leader, our pastor, with such a heart and desire and passion to preach the word of God and it is the same level of passion as when he's up here sweating at the microphone and like last week we were out with our team um, and at lunch and he's asking like all right what questions do you guys have what is your most difficult question that you have about the Bible and he's like ready to just be all in at lunch um, just pouring into us and so I just love that about our leader and pastor. My favorite thing was my least favorite thing at first, which was Joey's um, tenaciousness. Did I say that right? Okay. Um, tenaciousness. So when I first met Joey, I'm 13, 14 years old. He comes on to be the student pastor, and it's actually playing basketball with Joey and John. And as a 15-year-old, I'm like four foot four, and Joey plays us in basketball and just wrecks our lives for like an hour and a half. Literally beats us like 45 to zero. Yeah. And I'm like, like, didn't go light at all. Like, we're 15 years old, and he's just giving it all to us. Yeah. And I'm like, John, this guy's a student pastor. And, but then I got to see that tenacity come out for the gospel, and it then became my favorite thing about you and your, my favorite thing about our lead pastor. He's so tenacious when it comes to teaching truths about the scriptures or wanting to reach people or meet new people or teach some deep level of doctrine. Like, he's just all about it. Like, his charisma, whenever he sees you and he hasn't seen you in a long time, and that quickly turned to my favorite thing. Um, My favorite thing about Joey is the speed that he listens to his audiobooks on and the fact that he can retain all of the information. (laughs) Like, he played it one time in a meeting, and I was like, what the? Like, it's, it literally sounds like someone speaking in tongues, like, to be quite honest. And the fact that he can understand it, like, maybe he has the gift of prophecy. <laughs> yeah, these, these, like, books that he keeps putting on the screen, he's doing it in, like, four hours. It's absurd. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my favorite thing about Joey was the season when he had a really big red beard. So I, I vote we bring it back, is to be honest. But Kayla's <laughs> against it. So, uh, no, my, but for my favorite thing about Joey is I don't think I would know Jesus if not for Joey McLaughlin. So I'm super grateful for Joey and for his investment in student ministry and the way that he helped shape my heart for students uh, for the rest of my life. So really grateful for Joey. That's so good. I think one of my favorite things about Joey is just the way that he's discipled me and my love for spicy food. Um, just so many different 
times of spicy food. Uh, if you ever go to Clay's, just know that all of your pastors, we order extra hot wings. And if you want to join the club, do it. Give, give, give us a little shout out to me. They'll give us like a gift card. Um, but no, really, my favorite thing about Joey is that he is a multiplying leader. And if you look at this stage, this is so rare. Five out of the six people, sorry, Morgan, were students in Joey's ministry. Like we were students in Joey's youth ministry and we were invested in at a young age and we were believed in and we were given platforms and we were challenged and we were equipped and we were taught how to read the Bible by him. And that is so rare. That is so rare. And I think that as we talk about multiplying leaders and discipleship and X multiply, I do not know a single human being who lives out this vision more than that man right there. And so just be encouraged. Like your lead pastor, he, he puts his money where his mouth is. And to Bailey's point, like he practices what he preaches. And he's the same person off stage that he is on stage. And I think that is so encouraging for us as a church. And so I guess we should give you a round of applause. <laughs> um, all right, well, jumping into just the leadership development program, this program is designed for people who feel this calling to ministry. And I know I've had conversations with people here that uh, this is something that people here wrestle with is like, how do I know I'm called to ministry? And so I would love if a couple of you guys just shared, how are you called to ministry? How did you know that this program was the next step for you? Yeah, so I, I felt like I was called into ministry spring break of my senior year. I went to Guatemala, and it was about two months after I gave my life to Jesus. And if you've never been on a mission trip, man, God really just speaks and moves differently when you are able to go and when you're living out the Great Commission. God really does just speak um, into your life a little more. And so I knew I was called to ministry then, and I wanted to do the LDP program like that summer and that year. Um, they told me no, <laughs> so I was very disappointed. But I came back the next year, and I did the uh, summer internship, and... I was actually doing the discipleship program. And when I applied for the Persia program, I applied for the student ministry. I just felt like it was a better fit for me. Um, I was 19 at the time, leading young families in discipleship just didn't really feel like the right fit for me. So I got into the student ministry. Um, Joe Baker was actually a student pastor at the time. And I was doing like all the things student pastors would do. I was preaching, I went to FCAs, just being a student pastor, was being raised up as a student pastor. And Joe could tell that that was just not fitting for me. You could tell I was not liking it. I was not enjoying it. And Joe has a really gifted creative mind. He used to be a creative pastor. And so he started teaching me a graphic design, video editing. And that's where I fell in love with all things video, videography, video editing. And that's where I am today. But it's because Stone Creek wanted me to succeed so badly that I was able to succeed. They could have easily kept me on the discipleship path or easily kept me on that student pastor path. But no, they wanted me to see where I fit best in ministry. And it's because they wanted me to succeed. And because if I succeeded, then that means this church succeeds. And if this church succeeds, then, man, the church succeeds. Mm. And if the church succeeds, then more people get to know Jesus. Yeah, come on. So good. That's so good. Yeah, for me, my experience, I feel like I was experiencing a little bit more of the lack of clarity and calling. I remember like, leaving the student ministry that many of us grew up in. I, I just felt like a big piece of my heart was being left behind when I went off to college. And I'm asking those questions that you ask when you're fresh in college of what in the world am I supposed to do with the rest of my life? And um, what I was studying for uh, pre-nursing was just not it. And I remember that every chance that I came home, like all I knew was I just loved being at the church and I felt very much like David where he says in the Psalms, a day in your courts is greater than a thousand any place else. And I was just in love with being at the church. Uh, Joe was the student pastor at the time and I was just, how can I help? What can I do? Um, I was helping out doing a lot of admin work for a while and Joe was like, Bailey, you know, um, you could get paid to do what you're doing. And I was like, wait, this could potentially be my job. Like, that would be so cool. And so the program was then my next step. I felt like God had the door wide open for me, and I just got to run straight through it. And I ended up discovering a dream I didn't even know that I had. Awesome. Um, and so within the first few months, I just, my eyes lit up. And I'm like, this is what I was created for. Um, and I didn't know exactly, like, what specific area. So um, similarly, like, the team would work with me to help me figure out what it is that I was wired for, creative for. And then eventually the door opened to be a part of Elevate City. And here we are. So. That's awesome. So awesome. Yeah, for me, I gave my life to Jesus at 17 years old at a summer retreat going into my senior year of high school and didn't really know what was next. And so I was like, all right, the next step seems like I'll just read the whole Bible over the course of my senior year and then see what's next and see what sticks out. And so for nine months, I'm in Genesis. And then I... <laughs> 
I finally go on spring break to Guatemala with John, and at this point, I'm finally in Exodus, and uh, it's the last night of the uh, the uh, spring break trip, and Joey begins to ask me questions, you know, okay, and what do you think about going into ministry? And I had been thinking about it a lot, actually, and I was like, man, I would love to be for somebody what Joey was for me. And but I just began to tell him, I was like, man, I just... I'm not as funny as you are. I'm not as passionate as you are. I can never preach like you can. Like, I could just never do what you do. And he says, well, you know, just pray about it. And I think that you can. And so on the flight home, I'm reading Exodus chapter 4. And in Exodus chapter 4, God tells Moses to go and to get his people out of Israel. His people are enslaved and God's heart is broken. And he says, Moses, go and get my people out of Israel. And in verse 10, Moses says to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth, and I will te- you, teach you what you shall speak. And so I was like, all right, God, I hear you. <laughs> I, yeah, like, it's not about me. It's about you, Lord, and how you can use me, and I just have to be obedient to go. And so ever since that day, I was just like, all right, God, whatever's next, whatever door you open, my life is yours. I think for some people in here tonight, like the, the big message is like, it's time to move on from Genesis and it's time, <laughs> it's time to keep reading the Bible. Like there's a lot of truth in there. Um, but uh, I just, I love that like so much that Caden was yeah, called to this in, in the word, the scripture. So if you want to hear God's voice for your life, open up the scripture. Um, I think so much of calling to ministry seems so like wild and you're like, you know, was there an audible voice? Was there like a, you're called to do this for the rest of your life and I'll give up everything and come follow me. Um, and we see that in scripture. So, I mean, that's a pretty clear calling. Um, but uh, uh, I do think that like for so many of us, it was simple steps of taking steps towards discipleship of, okay, what's my next step? What's my next step in following Jesus? And what that did is it produced a lifelong story of obedience, of following him. And that's how we ended up here in so many ways is we kept taking simple steps of obedience, obedience to the Lord's voice. Um, and so I would just challenge you, like, what is, the, what is the next step for you? What is the next step for you in discipleship? So, so many people, you know, there's this huge emphasis on seminary and Christian education. And obviously this is not seminary. This is a year-long residency program. And so I would love if you guys kind of spoke to that. Uh, like some people say, go to seminary and then do something like this. How, did, how do those two things play a part in each other? Well, whenever I first got called to ministry, which for some background, I like – I didn't grow up at this church, and so... Morgan's from Illinois. I'm from Illinois, (laughs) and so um, I was driving home from class one night, um, and I was pursuing the degree that I had wanted to pursue since I was in fifth grade, and I had always loved school, and I was always super excited and thrived on academic validation, and I was driving home one night, and I was like, I hate my life. I hate what I'm doing. I don't want to be a high school English teacher. Like, this sucks, and so I realized that the only thing I was passionate about was community that was built on Jesus, and so that night, I went home, and I applied to Moody Bible Institute, and so I changed my major, and I ended up graduating with my degree in integrated ministry studies, and so while I was in school, I was taking theology classes, and I was taking hermeneutics classes, and Romans for teaching, and I was writing really awesome papers where I was like analyzing my favorite albums and applying scripture to them. And it was so cool. And I was completely nerding out and falling in love with Jesus. And I was like, okay, so this is what ministry is like. This is going to be awesome. And I was serving in student ministry for five years. So I was like, I'm going to kill it when I get my first job. Like I I was just, I was so confident. Um, And then I started the program last year and I was in for such a rude awakening because nothing can prepare you for the weight of ministry. And I think that's because the Holy Spirit is just so um, faithful to burden your spirit with the weight of eternity. Paul calls it the weight of glory. And um, I don't think that he takes that lightly. And so whenever I'm doing anything, I'm just so hyper aware that with every Instagram caption and email and Um, devotional that I write and every small group question and even like filming silly videos like mic'd up like they're all with a purpose and I know that every time I do something like with every period and every comma someone gets a glimpse of who Jesus is and I like that's something that we have to take seriously and I can't do that flippantly and so I'm thankful for my degree 
Um, it didn't prepare me for that weight, but what it, it gave me the skills that I needed and I use them every day. But the program also does the same thing. You can learn how to exegete the text online. Like it's <laughs> like you don't have to get your degree. Um, and so I, I think that going to seminary is a beautiful way to be obedient to the great commandment, to love the Lord your God with your total capacity, so which includes your intellectual capacity. Yeah. But it, it isn't everything that you need for ministry. And I think um, the most beautiful image of what it looks like to be obedient to the call of ministry is Isaiah 6 in the throne room. Whenever um, the Lord says, like, who will go for me? And Isaiah just says, here I am, Lord, send me. Like, he didn't have any preparation. He just went and trusted that the Holy Spirit would prepare him for it. And he did because he's God. So it's awesome so good. My answer is not that good. Um, but I would say, man, seminary is awesome. Like there are some awesome seminaries out there and we have friends that are in seminaries yeah. and love their experience. And so if God has put this burning passion in your heart to go to seminary, then go to seminary. But one of the most awesome things about the Bible and the scriptures and stories that you see is God really delights in just using average everyday men and women to change the world men and women who weren't trained up in seminary men and women who weren't uh grow who didn't grow up in the rabbinic school system and one of my favorite stories is mark chapter 5 where jesus heals this demon possessed man and he kind of has this reaction almost anyone would have he says as and they begin to beg jesus to depart from their region after jesus heals this demon possessed man and it says as jesus was getting into the boat the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might go with him and he did not permit him and said go home to your friends and tell them how much the lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you and he went away and began to proclaim in the capitalist how much jesus had done for him and everyone marveled and so you see this man go, Jesus, I want to be with you. Like, I want to get trained, almost like, hey, Jesus, I want to go to seminary. And Jesus goes, no, 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 my plans for you are different. My plans for you are to go, go home, go tell your friends, go tell your family what I've done in your life. And the world marvels at it, and he changes the world. Yeah, so good. I, I, Sean went to seminary. I know, like, yeah, Morgan, I went to Bible school. And so I think, like, we're, we, we say seminary is important, and it's a, it's a good thing. It sharpens the ax. It teaches us to, like, really know God in the word. Um, but, yeah, to Morgan's point, like, in so many ways, you're not necessarily taught how to love God with your heart and your soul. And also, like, there's so many things that we do that, like, you just, you can't be prepared for outside of like living the experience and being trained up on the ground in ministry within the church. And um, I just, I love that, that this, that's what this program has to offer. And especially when the two are like coupled together. And there's a huge emphasis in our church, in our program on theological training. And I, I love that. Um, so according to statistics, 80% of pastors and leaders don't make it 10 years in ministry. Like that's so sad. And that is so heartbreaking. I just want to read that again. 20%. Uh, 80% of leaders and pastors don't make it 10 years in ministry. And so why do you guys think many pastors and leaders have left ministry? And how is this program helping to combat that? Yeah, I think I, let's just feel the weight of that for a second. Um, man, for 80% of pastors and leaders to not stay means that in the lifetime of one of your kids, then they're not going to have the same pastor. Like, that's wild. Wow. And uh, what I love about our program is our goal is that we're breaking that statistic in the name of Jesus. And, um, and But I think the reason that this happens and the reason that is a statistic is for three different reasons. For three different reasons. Man, the first one is I think that uh, there's a failure to make disciples. A failure to make disciples. Man, what I've learned, if I've learned anything in ministry, is this is a taxing job. And it is unexpected, and it is a heavy job. And if you don't know who you are in Jesus first as a leader or as a pastor, it's really hard to shepherd and lead others yeah. to know who they are in Jesus um, as a disciple of Jesus. And I think a lot of people saw an opportunity to jump into leadership at a church, and they're like, man, I love Jesus. I'm going to go lead people to follow Jesus, which yeah. is great, and I love that. But when there's a lack of discipleship, there's a lack of a foundation to yeah. stand on. And I think when things like a pandemic happen that you 
can't expect. Uh, it, it gets rid of everything you know. If you don't have that firm foundation to stand on as a disciple of Jesus first, it's really hard to stay uh, and see that. And man, the second thing is a failure to teach. Um, man, I love that at Elevate City, y'all hold up your Bibles every single week. How amazing yeah. is that? And it's so true that as followers of Jesus, we got to stand under the authority of this word and live by this word and act by this word and care about what is said in this word. And I think a lot of people, uh, man, culture, if we're real, combats this word quite a lot. And I think a lot of people walk away from ministry because uh, they, they lose their love for the word and lose yeah. their love for the truth of what has worked for thousands of years. And instead, they are succumb to what culture wants to do. Yeah. And I think a lot of people walk away because they forget about their first love which is the word of God. And so, uh, man, I, we have a heart to help them not lose their first love. And so I think that's a really big thing. And then the third thing is just a failure to equip. Uh, like hopefully you've already heard uh, just in our first day of ministries, uh, never we, no, never uh, one week after another, it never looks the same, right? Like we have like some consistent meetings, but when people ask me like, what do you do? I'm like, well, you know, do you want like the talk, the talk about talking through somebody through depression or getting sprayed by a fire? Hose. Like, which one, what side of my job do you want, you know? And so there's just this, there's just this real, real uh, gap that a lot of people don't know about the real struggles and the real trenches and the real day-to-day -day of ministry that has to come in equipping. And so without a program like this, if I were to have walked into my job day one without going through a program like this, like just with my seminary degree, zero chance. I would have known what to do or how to live, and I would have been really overwhelmed and stressed out and anxious and not know where to turn next because it is a crazy, crazy job. And so I think there's a failure to equip. So, uh, man, I I think that we need more discipleship. We need more teaching. We need more equipping. And then we see all throughout scripture, um, leaders discipling and equipping other leaders to continue on the ministry of, of the gospel. We see it with Paul and Timothy all throughout the New Testament. And so, man, I think that we just need more of that. And that's, that's how we avoid it. Yeah, that's awesome. That's good. Um, I'll jump into, I am reminded with this question of what Paul says in Galatians chapter 6. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we'll, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And I just have to imagine that it would be really easy for a lot of leaders to walk away from ministry after having plowed the field, tend the soil again and again and again before ever getting to a place of getting to reap the harvest. And like it's been mentioned, like ministry can be really messy. And those of you who have been with us in the Elevate City journey, you know that in the last three years, we have hit a lot of roadblocks. And Sean, Morgan, John, be grateful that we are not up here in the summertime. We would be dripping sweat. Um, but with that being said, like, yeah, they, it requires an immense level of faith and this perseverance to keep going and to look forward to what's ahead, knowing that in due season we will reap a harvest. Um, and even if it's not on this side of eternity, um, I just, with that being said, I feel like the program truly set me up for the long run to have this mindset, this persevering heart, an eager spirit of what is God in the midst of? What is he up to? Um, and just wanting to jump all in. I feel like it gave me this sense of realizing like, it's all so worth it. Come on. Every, like, every single time we get to see somebody raise their hand or somebody graduate base camp or step into the waters of baptism or experience being discipled, like, that is so worth it. And so let us not grow weary of doing good because in due season, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. That's so good. Yeah, I love just, like, the joy of ministry. Like, I love exactly that. Like, every week when we get to see people get in baptism, it's just fuel for our soul. And it is so encouraging to see people walk with the Lord. I'll never forget, I was preaching a message at the student ministry that Sean leads, and there's a video of me preaching, and somebody gives their life to Jesus, raises their hand in the crowd, and you can see Sean behind me on stage, and he puts both arms up, and he spins around. And I was like, how epic is that? Like, he just is so full of joy because he's reaping the harvest. He gets to see it, and he gets to, you know, all the hard work, all the labor late nights, all of the phone calls. Um, we just, a lot of times people just don't wait. They don't wait to see the, to, to be able to reap the harvest. And uh, we've been blessed to be, be able to see that already. Um, I love that. Yeah. To Sean's point that we do hold this up because this is for you guys, but this is also for us. Like as communicators of God's word, when we stand up here to say, yeah, no, this isn't on me for my writing. This isn't on me for being a good performer. This is on the word of God. And I'm letting the word of God do what the word of God can do. Um, and then lastly, I'll just say like, you know, I've got a lot of friends in ministry. 
I went to a Bible school, I met a lot of people, I stay in touch with them. And in like catching up with them, there's just like this constant like, man, you guys know how ministry, like, you know how ministry is? It's so hard, church is so hard. And like, I can tell you right now that we don't say that. Like, I, I don't call people and say, oh man, ministry, what a, like, what a drag, what a, what a drain. Like, it's just draining on my soul. Like, I don't feel that because of the way that this culture is so healthy and it is so Jesus-centered and it is so discipleship-driven. And I just like love that, that this is the kind of church that I get to come and work at where I'm like, I love my job. I love my job. And that's why we want to multiply that. Um, all right, so, you know, so many people here have either been directly impacted by this program in a way that somebody was trained up this per in this program who has walked with you guys. Um, some, maybe someone up here or maybe someone else in the program, or you know somebody who was impacted by someone in this program. And so I would love if you guys just shared a story about how this program set you up for success, like how it prepared you to invest in somebody and how to care for someone's soul. Yeah, I'll hop in. Uh, in college, I began to major in religion, and I thought, like, the whole point of ministry was just debates over religion. Like, that's what I thought all Christianity and ministry was, was just, like, me or someone debating an atheist or Muslim or something, and I was like, okay, cool. So I just have to know theology and doctrine and put my nose in a book and study and study and study. But it was so beautiful when I got into the leadership development program, when I got to see it modeled what ministry actually is from Thomas and Joe and Joey and Bailey and Sean and so many people where it's like, no, this is what it's like to shepherd someone's soul. This is what it's like to teach someone. This is what it's like to challenge someone. This is what it's like to be in the real depthness of someone's life. And I can remember one of the first times I got coffee with someone in our church and they began to walk through that, how they had been battling an addiction of, to pornography. And uh, I'm really happy that I didn't just study in college because then I would have been like, let me walk you through the depthness of the doctrine of sin and how it can actually, you can see Jesus on the other side of this. Like that would have been good for him. It would have been good for me. Like it would have just been a bad situation. But because I saw you guys model, I was like, man, like let's walk through this. We can get through this. Let's see how Jesus can be elevated to be ultimate in your life and how this darkness can just be fought and pushed back. So I was really thankful for it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that's awesome. Um, so when I was, when Thomas was a protege and I just graduated the program, I did the year right before him, uh, Thomas actually lived with me and my family. So awesome. And let me it just crazy. speak to something because I don't, I don't know if I'll ever get to say this again to all of you. A lot of you think you're Thomas's best friend. I just want you to know oh my I'm Thomas's best friend. <laughs> All right. No one else in here uh, got to be in a wedding dress before his wife on his wedding day. So it's true. That's all it's I'm true. Saying. I wish we had a picture. I wish we had the picture, but just you can imagine it on your own. You can be shot um, in the lobby to duke it out. Uh, after. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get you. <laughs> uh, but man, when Thomas lived with me, uh, it was one of the coolest seasons um, of, of my ministry career, honestly, because we were so new to it and it was so fresh, and we were just like, okay, like we're in this. Let's figure this out. Let's let's. We want to do whatever we can to reach people in the name of Jesus. So Thomas and I decided to, uh, to start a young adults group um, that just met at my house once a week, and it started out with like nobody showing up, and Thomas. I just play an Xbox instead, and then which was, good. Which was, it was good. sometimes better. But then you know, <laughs> uh, we finally had some uh, young adults start to show up, and we got you know, there's some weirdos who come to young adults group. If you're in Christianity circles, it's just, this is a young adult. This is like a young adult church, Sean. Like just <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not this church, you know. Um, but anyways, uh, they showed up, and uh, so navigating social awkwardness before even navigating other things was first what we were learned to be equipped with. And yeah. um, but then as we we would split into guys and girls, kind of towards the end of our time every week, and we would just walk through real life and real life struggles. And gosh, like I don't think we were ready for how real it got yeah. at times. Man, we walked through uh, themes like homosexuality and like abortion and uh, like navigating depression yeah. and suicidal desperation and uh, atheism and uh, doubt. And I, mean, I remember Thomas and I just some nights they'd leave and we'd just be like, what just happened, you know? Doing? Like, what are we doing? Yeah. We're not ready. But what's so beautiful is we had guys like Joey and Joe and our senior pastor, Stephen, who we could quickly call up and be like, hey, listen, I need to get back to this guy. I need to be taught how to walk through yeah. this situation with this person right now because they need to see the person of Jesus. And just to have a hotline to be able to call and be like, hey, teach me right now this specific situation. It was just so freeing that I gave us the confidence to know we can walk into any conversation and we 
might not have the answer in that moment, but there's somebody who can teach us. Yeah. So that was huge. It was so fun. I'll never forget, like, baptizing people in Sean's backyard pool and just, like, seeing people come to know Jesus in the driveway late at night and just the fun stories of ministry and trying to experience, like, trying to learn how do we, how do we walk with people, how do we shepherd people's hearts. Um, I thought that was a crazy time, and then we did night church, and that was wild. And so, um, but so good and so encouraging just to hear stories of the ways people's lives have been changed outside of this program, but as a direct result of this program. Uh, so why should people care about this? I really believe that like some people here will be called to ministry, but other like full-time vocational ministry within the local church and others might not be. So why should those people care? Like how does something like this help like add to the fuel of the X multiply vision for the great commission? Yeah, I would say a big reason to care is because the future of the church is dependent on this. The leaders who are going to be equipped through the LDP over the next 10 years are going to be the ones that are launched out to future campuses and church plants, and they're going to be the ones that are equipped here to go and to be sent out, and that matters deeply. And for me, my personal experience, I would not be the leader I am today, the wife that I am today, the follower of Jesus I am today, the disciple maker I am today, without the church deeply investing in me and taking the time to really pour into me um, and equip me for the work of ministry. Um, and I want that so badly yeah. um, for more and more people, more leaders, more people who feel like they could be called into this full time. Um, I want that in the future. The church is truly dependent on it. Yeah, I'll speak to the Great Commission piece a little bit because this is uh, something that a lot of people might not know about our program is uh, we, so if someone comes in to our program, everybody that comes in, we train them up, we equip them, and our hope is that after 12 months, they are launched out into full-time ministry. Now, what that means, though, is we're not just selfish with our people. Like, we keep the best of them, let's be clear. But... Um, <laughs> And the rest are sent out to places that God's called them to around the nation and around the world. And so, you know, we have like a student pastor who's leading a student ministry in Atlanta right now and a kids director who's leading multiple campus in Nevada right now that graduated our program, a missionary in Moldova right now. And so, I mean, we have people, this program, the, the way that it speaks and relates to the Great Commission is not only are we creating leaders to lead the future of the church here, but also around the nation and around the world. And I think that's yeah. a really special thing, so. Yeah, I mean, can we just celebrate that we've got leaders all over the world? And I just want to speak to something that probably is personal to a lot of you guys. Um, you've all, maybe, maybe you personally or you know someone directly, a close friend or family member who's experienced uh, being hurt by someone within the church. And I, just, I want you to notice that I said being hurt by someone within the church. They, were not, they did not experience church hurt. They were hurt by somebody who was an unhealthy leader and did not have the boundaries or the preparation or the training to be able to care for their soul. And uh, the church did not hurt them. Like the church is the bride of Christ. It is the city on a hill. It is, it is the hope for humanity. And so I think like we've got to realize that like we love the church. We care about the church. And we want to see the church succeed. We want to see it grow. And we have a, two options. We can either like turn our back on the church or we can try and see all that God has created to be come, come to fruition. And so uh, part of this program for us is seeing that not happen, seeing people not be hurt by unhealthy leaders. Like we can't guarantee success. Like it's going to happen. There's going to be mistakes. People are sinful and we're going to like, it's not always going to happen the way we want it to happen. But this is a commitment for us for the next 10 years to do everything we can to see people shepherded in the right way to see people taught in the right way, to see people cared for and pastored in the right way, and to see Jesus-centered, discipleship-driven, transformation-focused, healthy leaders in the church all over. Um, and so that's our commitment to this. I think uh, just to end our time, I, I would love to hear from you guys. Uh, what is it that you want everyone here to walk away with from like this panel discussion? What is it that you want them to think about? What is it that you want them to be challenged by? Yeah, so Jesus says in Matthew 9, um, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And so we need more leaders in the church. And you talked about it earlier, like we all took small steps of obedience to get to where we are. And, but eventually we had to make the decision to go. We had to, we had to make that final decision to, and make that leap. And my dad, who's a senior pastor, Stephen Gibbs, um, the senior pastor, and he always says, everyone's willing, but not everyone is planning to go. And so I think a lot of you guys are called into ministry, and you know you're called into ministry, and you need to stop being willing and, and start planning. That's so good. Love that. Um, I will speak to two. So I'd say um, for those of you who 
feel like you could be called into ministry, I would encourage you to um, invite someone into praying for you. Just remember it being like such a uh, pivotal time where I just, I mentioned like I had experienced like a lack of clarity and calling and I just needed people to go to war with me and pray with me. And that made all the difference in the world. Like, yes, I was praying so much about like, God, is this what you have for me? But to have other prayer warriors just praying over me and fighting for me and really seeking the Lord with me was very impactful. I'd also just encourage um, some of you to just walk away with um, just a challenge I would invite you in on with the leaders that we do have now and the leaders that we will have through the program later of just a, a easy practical step that you can do to really care for them and to challenge them as leaders because we're in the program growing a lot and being taught a ton and something that's extremely helpful is getting to teach other people the things that we're getting to learn as leaders and so um, find someone who's in the program and ask them like hey what is God teaching you right now and teach me it like that's going to get our the leaders in our program like really practicing that and refining that gift of what it is they're learning in huddles and the things that God is doing, the way that he's moving, like them getting to share it, that made all the difference in the world for me during the program. So good. Yeah, one of the beautiful themes throughout all of the scriptures that you see is the Lord just refer to the church as a home or a family or a house. He gives this analogy of a marriage and or a body um, in one body. And so if you call this church home, that means this is your house. That means you should care what happens around your home. Yeah. And so you should care about what happens in our kids' ministry. You should care about what happens in our student ministry. And you should care about the leadership development program and figuring out how you can do something, whatever it is. Like, hey, I want to help. I don't know what it is yet, but I want to do something. And so someone who just did that so well for me was Janet Johnson. And I don't know if she's in this room, but her and her husband, Bill, just cared for me and Bailey so well throughout the program. Every single Sunday, she would come up to me, ask me how I'm doing, how she could pray for me how my soul was and she just always cared because this was her house and she just wanted to and so man ask these leaders ask Sarah ask Caitlin like hey how are you doing how can I pray for you or see how else you can get plugged in and make a difference um so like I said earlier I'm not from here and so I moved here specifically for the program and so it starts in August and I got accepted the 4th of July weekend and it was like about a week before I was planning on leaving that I finally got an email telling me where I was going to live. So it was like about a month of like, well, I don't know where I'm going to live. Was it really I guess a week? It had to be like a month. No. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I very vividly it was remember. on me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, it was like a month of anxiety. And I was like, well, I guess if this is what the Lord has for me, something's going to work out. <laughs> so, faith. Um, Living by faith. <laughs> um, I got the email from Thomas. I was told that I was living with Mike and Christina Reinzel, which is Stone, their Stone Creek's executive pastor and his wife. Um, and so, like, the, in the church culture that I grew up in, you don't talk to the executive pastor, the head pastor. They're just, like, untouchable. And so to think that I was going to be living with them was very scary. Um, but it actually ended up being the best experience of my life. And to be honest, I had been coming out of a really hard year with my family and my personal living situation, and then to be invited into this warm family that loved me and loves Jesus so much, and a house much nicer than I ever lived in, um, it was just such a testament to the Lord's provision and his blessing whenever you take a step of obedience. And so if you feel called to ministry, I would, and like that is one of your caveats of like, I don't know how I'm going to make any of this work. Like, I don't know where I'm going to live. I, I don't know how I'm going to make the financial things work. You have to trust that the Lord will provide. And when Jesus says that he's our daily bread, he means it, and he'll give us what we need for the day. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think the last thing that I would say is um, if you are considering going into full-time ministry, Mal, first I want to say it's hard. It's hard, and a lot of people don't let you know how hard it is. It's a hard, it's a, it's a sacrifice in a lot of ways, and it's weighty, and it is uh, taxing, and it is time-consuming, but I want you to know it, that biasly, it's the most beautiful calling you could ever have yeah. on your life, 
And um, man, I want you to know that the moments like when someone raises their hand after a message or someone gets baptized or it just clicks for somebody, it makes every single hard day so, so worth it. And the last thing I want to say is, man, we're at war. We're at war with culture. We're at war with darkness. And we need more people to stand up and say, hey, I'm going to lead the church to the future. And uh, man, I just believe that there are so many people in our church right now who God is ready to bring up to be warriors in the name of Jesus to lead the church ahead. Yeah, I think to to Caden's point, you know, just this being your home, this being your house, this being your family and being deeply invested in the, the leaders that we are multiplying, like caring about that. And like, you should always know who's in the program. You should always know like who's being trained up, who are the next leaders that are being multiplied. I'll never forget, I was uh, 19 when I went through the program and I drove this 2003 Toyota Corolla and I would drive to work and it was awesome. It was my my like vehicle, it got me to work, got me where I need to be. Um, but I was being hosted by Sean's parents. It was such a gift to be able to have a host home that eliminated that financial barrier. And I'm leading these guys in the first round of equip that we've ever had at the church. And these guys are CEOs and they're like top dogs in their in their in their companies. And like they would tell me what they did, and I was like, I have no idea what you do. Like I could not repeat back to you like what you what you do. Um, and so I'm just intimidated and. Here I am leading them in Equip every week and getting to know them. And it was just such a good experience for me to like be able to invest in those guys. But one day I'm driving my car to work and I get hit by another car and they're just like, this thing's a piece of junk already. It's total bro, sorry. And they gave me a check for $1,000. And I don't think it's any secret. This program doesn't really pay a lot of money. Um, we've counted the costs. We've left it all behind and we're chasing after the Lord. Um, and and so I'm sitting there and I'm like, how am I gonna get a car? Like this, this is not good. And um, I'm you know, kind of anxious, nervous, kind of stressed. And uh, one of the guys calls me up on a random Tuesday night and he says, hey, you know, you've been investing in us for the last 10 weeks and we just like loved how much you've been like taking time to lead us and equip and to teach us how to be disciple makers uh, that we wanna help your financial barrier right now. We wanna give you a thousand dollars for your car. And I'm just like on the phone, I'm like, I have $2,000 now, I am rich. And I'm gonna buy a cool car. Um, and I'm just like overwhelmed, so grateful. And then he goes, you know what? No, we're gonna give you $2,000. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so, like, so, so thankful. Thank you, you don't have to do this. And he goes, no, you know what? We're gonna give you $3,000. And by the end of the night, I had, had uh, $3,000 in my bank account from these guys that I was walking with in Equip. And I'll never forget just the way that the church stepped in and cared for me. Like 19, here I am trying to pursue the calling on my life in ministry. And these guys just say, hey, we're gonna eliminate this barrier for you and we're just gonna take care of you. And I was able to get this car um, and got, got my like transportation back. Just like all that stress, all that anxiety eliminated. And so like, there's so many ways you can partner with us in multiplying leaders. I wanna put a picture up of uh, our four people in the program right now. So that's Ryan and that's Sarah and Caitlin. Sarah and Caitlin are in our program here at Elevate City. And then Annie, Annie and Ryan are up at Stone Creek at our Millen campus. And they're in a year long program where they are devoting their lives to pursue this calling on them in ministry. And I would just encourage you guys, like if you see them, pray for them. If you see them, encourage them. If you see them, get their contact info and take them out for lunch. I think we all loved free lunches when we were in the program. It was a huge blessing. Um, take them out for coffee, get to know their story, ask how you can support them, buy them cars. I don't know. Maybe you're just like loaded and you're just like, let's go. Uh, but this is the kind of church where we want to see that happen, like where, where everybody cares about multiplying leaders, where everybody goes, we have a part to play. You know, I know I don't speak on behalf of myself when I say that like in so many ways, I am a product of the church. I'm a product of people caring about developing leaders and caring about seeing leaders developed for full-time ministry within the local church. I can tell you about Stephen, who baptized me at 11 years old. He's the senior pastor at Stone Creek and taught me how to like love the word of God. I can tell you about Joey, who taught me how to preach. He taught me how to lead. He taught me how to disciple and multiply leaders. I can tell you about Jason Howard, who taught me how to care for broken and hurting people and like walk with them in the trenches. I can tell you about Brandon, who taught me how to care for the lost and care for the nations and go places where the gospel has yet to go. And the list goes on and on. But you know what? It wasn't just people in full-time ministry that I could tell you about. Like it was people in the church. It was people who attended the church. It was people like you and you and you. It was people who called this place home. I can tell you about Rob, who taught me what it meant to be a man after God's heart. I can, talk, I can tell you about Dwayne, who taught me how to be a mentor to the everyday believer. 
I can tell you about Paulo, who taught me unreasonable generosity. Or David, who taught me to serve with my hands and use every opportunity to invest in others. Or I can tell you about Kevin and Karen, who let me live in their home for two years rent-free so that, it could just, that barrier of finances could be eliminated for me to pursue the calling on my life. You see, my life and our life, it's not a result of some supernatural event that got us here. It's a, it's a result of the church caring about multiplying leaders, developing leaders, praying for this, giving towards this, like doing everything we can to see more healthy leaders produced for the church and to see the church grow. And so I just wanna challenge you, like you have a role to play. You have a role to play. And so I wanna just go through five ways that you can be a part of this. Uh, I believe there's a card in your seats and you can scan that QR code to get involved. But first one is some of you guys are called to full-time ministry. Like God has put a calling on your life. And like Isaiah, you have experienced the glory of God and you just need to say, here I am, send me, use me, use me for your kingdom. Or you know someone who is called to ministry and this is the program for them. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We need more laborers. We need more people. We need more people to join the fight. We need more people to be trained up for the local church. So maybe that's you today. This is a great place to start. This is a great place to start. Number two, we need host homes. Like you heard from Morgan, you heard from me. Like we, we had the ability to live just rent free. And so like some of y'all, y'all have houses in Sandy Springs and you have houses in this area and you may have an empty bedroom. And what a gift for you to be able to say, this is an opportunity for ministry. Like I can have somebody live here who is getting trained up for my church, for my church so that they can be trained up for, for a lifelong journey of, of ministry. Number three, we need house homes, like for real. We, we, really, we really, really need it. We need it. And so help us be a part of that. Like help us provide a place for people to live here. Number four, unreasonably care for our protégés. Unreasonably care for our protégés. Again, just put that picture up on the screen. Let's just, look, like, let's just, I want you to like remember these faces. Like care for these people. You have a part to play in their story. You could be one of the people that one day they say, I'm a product of the church. And that person at Elevate City cared so deeply for me that they took me out for coffee. They asked me all the time how they could pray for me. They fanned the flame of faith in my heart. Like you have a part to play in encouraging them. Number five, a sign up to be a mentor. So many of you guys have a valuable experience that we need. Like some of you guys have financial experience that we need and our projects need help budgeting. They don't make a lot of money. And so they've got to figure out how to make it. And some of you guys have like the ability to, to, to like mentor them in that area or business skills or marketing skills or how to build a resume or how to develop leaders or whatever it is, leadership skills. Like you could have something that our protégés need. And so sign up to be a mentor. Um, but I just want to encourage you, like this is our job. It's not just my job. It's not just Joe's job or Joey's job or any of us. It's our job as the church to see leaders multiplied. So can we just celebrate one last time this program? You guys better celebrate louder than that. They just dominated tonight. You know, people all the time today talk about the trouble that the church is in and what's gonna happen in the church of the future. But I hope tonight is just this like sigh of relief for you that the church of Jesus is in good hands, amen? That Jesus knows what he's doing and that he knows how to build his church. Uh, tonight, hopefully it's just like a insider look of how the sausage is made. And you get to see behind the scenes of what goes on to really, really intentionally try to invest and form people for the war that they're fighting for the sake of your soul every single day. Uh, First Timothy chapter four says this, it says, for to this end we toil and strive because we have our hopes set on the living God who's the savior for all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth but set for believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourselves in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching, persist in this, for by doing so, You'll save both yourselves and your hearers. 
And these men and women have been toiling for the sake of the salvation for all who believe. They have immersed themselves in a program for years to refine their craft and their gift, to be able to make a deposit back into our church and to the community at large. And um, I just wanna say, well done, good and faithful servants. And it's an honor to be up here and to be a part of each of your stories and to look at Sean and to see you grow into a way better student pastor than I ever was. And to see Morgan, you be the writer that I only dream about being. And I know that you weren't in my student ministry, but we both went to Moody Bible. So we're connected somehow. It's the same, okay? I adopt you tonight in Jesus' name. And uh, and Caden, just watching you talk tonight, I just every time I hear that story, my heart just breaks for you to go, I could never be, I could never be, I could never be. But then to watch tonight that you so clearly are. You're so gifted and so dynamic and so compelling and the way you just make God's word come to life so naturally. And Bailey, for you to just be like the, one of the most trusted people in my life and for me to know that I could count on you and for me to only dream about being the prayer warrior that you are and the true legitimate lover of people that you are and to know that you pour out your life every single day for the sake of another woman to be a disciple who makes disciples. And John, to watch your story of redemption unfold and to see you just go on this wild journey of running from your calling and running and running and running, but to find yourself in this sweet spot of using the creativity that God has given you, not for your own gain, but to see the kingdom of God flourish and expand and to just see your crazy questions and your hot takes come to life every single day. It's just such a joy for me. And then Thomas, I said this to you recently, but I just wanna publicly say it in front of everybody, man. Um, there's this scripture and it says that a, teach, uh, a student's not greater than his teacher, but when he's fully trained, he's like his teacher. And I just believe that, man. I've given everything to really invest in you and you are an incredible pastor who could lead a church like this someday, greater than this someday. And so I just affirm that in you, man. So proud of you. And you see six stories tonight, but man, I believe that there are gonna be a hundred more. And I think that you all are gonna be a part of it in a very unique way. Hey, when you give, you're giving to this. When you show up, you're showing up for people who can be a part of practicing their gift and growing in ministry. When you pray, pray for your leaders. Pray for the people who are a part of this program really care for them, open up your home and just know that like, like what you see on a Sunday night is a small glimpse of the kingdom of God that is being sown and developed and richly grown here in Sandy Springs into the ends of the earth.